This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 389, Spiritual Hypnosis for Non-Spiritual Hypnotists. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back to the program, and this may be a rather interesting episode for some of you, and there's a bit of wiggle room in terms of exactly what this topic is about. Simply put, you often find yourself in a situation where your belief systems, your model of the world may be different than that of the client. So in the shape of this quick episode, we're going to talk a bit of exactly how to modify your process based upon the client in front of you. Because when you go into a session with a preconceived notion as to how it's supposed to play out, well, you often then set yourself up for some major challenges inside of the session. And it's through the result of seeing thousands of clients over the years and hearing where they come from and also interacting with different communities and uh, honestly hearing a few, um, oh, let's go there, horror stories that some have faced my task here today is to help you to hedge off some rather embarrassing, if not uncomfortable, moments. For more like this, head over to WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. This is the live and online training and certification program that I actually do in partnership with Richard Nongard. Uh, we actually do this training together because even though we are friends, uh, we have very different opinions at times in terms of how do you guide the client towards the place of creating change. However, we still end up at a very similar result, which in part kind of amplifies the topic of this week's episode of different pathways towards a common shared goal. The interesting thing about this event is that Typically, half of the attendants are people who are brand new to hypnosis, and this is the first official training that they're doing. Meanwhile, the other half of people already perhaps have significant training, and yet perhaps you're just not getting the results that you typically would like to see. And it's through the combination of my phenomenon-based approach to change, as well as Richard's evidence-based approach to change, really filling in those gaps and helping you to step out of that frustration and instead into greater efficacy. So check that out over at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. And with that, let's dive directly into this week's episode. Here we go. Session number 389, Spiritual Hypnosis for Non-Spiritual Hypnotists. Now, I have a bit of a feeling that the topic of this week's episode requires a story to kind of kick things off. And I share my opinions of the world, my perspectives of the world, only ever to be that of mine. So it's how many of us can find a way to continue to work together and get along and even better, find a respectful way to interact with each other. So I give you that as the introduction because, well, half of my family... Let's get very specific here. Half of my family are actually people who were basically Southern Baptist pig farmers in a part of Virginia that none of you would have ever heard of. And the other half of the family were a mixture of Russian and Jewish immigrants who found their way over to the Bronx part of New York City and then eventually migrated from New York City down to Portsmouth, Virginia. And as my 
uh, late grandmother one time described it, cried for about a week as a result of that move. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Yet I share that because, and, and Lynette was Lenetsky up until 1906. You often see a last name that typically is like five or six letters. Part of the history of the immigrants coming over from Ellis Island was that they would, you know, find the last name and then reduce it down. And in different documents, in different uh, documents, we have spellings of the last name with either an I or a Y. So one would be Russian, one would be Polish, and a family member recently did the whole 23andMe thing and found it was like right down the center, almost as if right on the border. And again, that's one half of the family. The other half, very much not. <laughs> and I share that because personally, it kind of morphed me into being that person who quite honestly did not end up really subscribing to either side because and it's not a matter of belief or disbelief it really instead came around to i would say more so an appreciation of both so sometimes there is a bit of a playful way of describing it of apathetic agnosticism so i'm not really too you know stuck on picking a specific side or belief yet still an appreciation and an understanding and if there's one big takeaway to take away from this week's episode, let it be the statement I'm about to make. One of the bigger issues we find, I would say, in our world right now is that at the end of the day, by way of sort of chunking up our individual value systems, our own specific beliefs, you start to find that the more you explore it, the more you realize we all kind of agree. We all kind of agree in terms of what we perceive to be a greater good, a greater understanding of the world. We might have very different ways of getting there, though. And that's where sometimes people would get into conflicts. But at the end of that conversation, people are looking for a greater good and a greater desire in terms of what it is that they're looking for and what their models of the world may be. So I give you this as an example in a world where very clearly we don't really have that ability to say politics aside, though politics aside, as we are entering into a uh, another election cycle here in the U.S. right before this episode comes out, um, actually this episode comes out the day before the next election here in the U.S., we, we find that, you know, here's that heated debate, here's that argument, and yet if you kept chunking up almost in the way that you would with a visual squash or a kinesthetic squash, the way that I do it inside of my hypnosis training and my approach, that overall value ends up at a very similar place for both sides of the aisle, even for those with a belief system and those not necessarily with one. And I put that out there because I've been on the other side of hearing the client who went to another practitioner and everything filtered through one specific model of the world and it was not as flexible as it should have been. And that created an extremely uncomfortable scenario for that client and not for any specific bragging rights, but instead that's why they eventually discontinued the services elsewhere and then found their way over into my office. And the question being is, do you do this? Do you do this with your clients? And my answer was, 
my job is to be a chameleon. My job as a practitioner is to listen to you where you are and help you to get where you want to be. My definition of all things hypnotic change now is that of my only role is to help you to amplify what you want and help you to get there in a much more efficient way. So it's that idea that throughout the process, I would actually now internally describe hypnosis as that process of mutual positive psychological influence in which hypnotic phenomenon may be possible to help amplify a specific person's desires. It's so much easier to help your client get what they want rather than to help them get your perception of the model of the world. I mean, this may seem like a diversion away from this topic today of spiritual hypnosis for non-spiritual hypnotists, yet it comes back around to the time that it was a psychiatrist who called on behalf of her client who was exceptionally obsessive compulsive disorder. And take note, the story began with calling out that this was a referral and the situation was that, well, this man doesn't want to quit smoking. But even he could accept the fact that three packs of cigarettes a day is far too excessive and he doesn't want to quit. However, he does want to reduce it down to perhaps just a couple of cigarettes a day and he was calling around and was hearing this advice, hearing this opinion that, well, you're not going to be successful then. The only way to do it is to quit. The only way to do it is to stop it entirely. And that was not his goal. That was not his perceived model of the world. And again, in conversation with the doctor who was making the referral, I threw out the assumption, well, you know, look at everything as if it's a strength. You know, look, different habits, different behaviors. If it was applied somewhere else in your life, wouldn't it serve as a strength? You know, the classic example of this would be, you could label it as a problem that you might have a fear of public speaking. Yet here is this consistent pattern of behavior that is working really hard like an alarm system to do its best to try to keep you safe. And yet if that same tendency was there perhaps for someone working um, contractor, some sort of construction person working in a high rise, building a building, that same consistent level of concern and alarm to keep them from, you know, accidentally walking off the edge of the building and plummeting a good distance. In another part of their life, that could be perceived as a strength. You know, the person who doesn't forget to have the fear of driving on highways. Meanwhile, you forget where you put your phone down when you came home. The same ability somewhere else in life can be perceived as a strength. So this man was an expert at creating patterns and rituals and reliable systems of behavior that, again, in conversation with the doctor who was making the referral, heard this and goes, why didn't I think of that before? <laughs> I go, well, makes sense, right? He goes, and she goes, can I watch? I'm like, sure. We did the session in her office, actually, and... The man's goal was not to quit smoking. The man's goal was to reduce it down. And even he could say that, look, I realize that three cigarettes a day is probably a lot better than 60 cigarettes a day. And if you've ever heard me use the phrase of enjoy the hell out of it, came back to this specific story, which was, you know what? If you're going to make that decision to go down to three, I think everyone would agree that, you know, it may not necessarily be the best 
pattern of behavior to reinforce, but clearly it's a lot better than the one it was before. There is a need to tell the end of the story, though, that I just found the way to layer into our conversations of, and and you know what, at some point, if you just get bored with those three cigarettes and decide to call me up and say, hey, you know what, I got bored with them and I just decided to quit on my own, but I did that myself, you know, that's entirely your decision. I'm not the one who's here to tell you what to do. Almost exactly six months later, there's a phone call. Hey, you know what, Jason, I just kind of get bored with those three cigarettes on my own and just decided to quit myself. And I did that for myself, though. Like, good for you. Good for you. High fives around. Doesn't mean you can't drop some suggestions and some hints. And again, if they're picked up, fantastic. Which on this theme of stop smoking, the real intention of this week's episode is more to tell stories that help to illustrate this. It's the day that by a random fluke, I had either five or six clients in the office, again, also to quit smoking. And every session was different. Every session was different, not for the sake of my amusement, yet for the fact that everyone came in with a different set of goals. The client who comes in, and she did not complete my office forms. She did not complete them at all to, you know, the full ability that she could have. You know, it gave the basic information, it gave her name or contact information and the standard, but when it came around to her goals, she wrote two words, God's temple. And from one half of my upbringing, this understanding that her model of the world was that if she was still smoking as she passed away, she was not protecting the body that God gave her as a gift. Therefore, she would not be welcomed into the kingdom in her final days. And the session became a celebration of making this decision as she prepares for the next phase of her life. No, we didn't go to fire and brimstones and, did I say that right, or the threat of the devil and everything else. No, she had already been doing that to herself and she'd already been telling herself that extremely negative story based on her belief systems and her model of the world. And instead, the session became this celebration feeding to her what was important in her models of the world. Fast forward later on in the day, the man points his finger at me and tells the story of having been sober for five years, but it was a struggle, not necessarily with the struggle of getting rid of the alcohol, but the struggle that every Alcoholics Anonymous meeting he went to was, quote, trying to cram God and Jesus down his throat. And that wasn't his belief system, to which I adopted the always popular attitude of playing dumb. (laughs) and grabbing a sheet of paper, I I looked at all the notes he had filled out. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just looking on what you had filled out here, and, like, you didn't mention any of that here as a reason why you were trying to quit, so I wasn't going to bring it up. He goes, oh, okay, and we just did everything, you know, by the book, talking about his specific goals. Buckle up for the end of the day. The woman comes in, last client, and informs me that she is quitting smoking, because her husband said she needed to. And I can sense the hairs in the back of many of your necks going, oh, that's a red flag, she's not going to quit smoking. Yet in her specific faith, it is a responsibility for her to honor and respect the wishes of her husband. May not be your specific model of the world, but suddenly she gave me the pass, she gave me the ticket to explain exactly what she needed for it to be effective in her culture for her to be successful quitting smoking. I did feel the need to ask a follow-up question, 
Does he know you're here? And she sits upright and basically explains, He need not concern himself with how I've quit. All that matters is I'm quitting today. By the way, I am paying cash, so there's no paper trail. I'm like, this woman's awesome. Let's do this. And all these people were successful. I followed up even more thoroughly with them just because I thought, this is going to be an amazing teaching lesson later on. I am now in my head because as I hit record a little while ago for this week's episode, I felt the intention and the calling to not tell the next story, and now I need to. Uh, so I will leave out the details of where I was. It was not in my immediate area, but through a bit of travel, suddenly I realized there was a hypnotist doing a one-day workshop and <laughs> traveling for fill in the blank, the events I was doing. I'm making this rather nonspecific, so none of you can trace the story. Yet it was the time that I booked a 22-hour layover on a flight out to the West Coast because it allowed me to stop somewhere in the middle of the country, take just my carry-on for this extremely long trip away from the airport, catch a taxi, go attend a one-day training, and then go back to the airport where my luggage was already being loaded onto the next flight. And I, you ever have that moment where you catch yourself with your foot firmly planted in your mouth and you then realize, oh dear, how do I climb out of this? In no disrespect, or maybe disrespect intended, I hinted at a news story that I had heard not to realize I was telling the story to the person who was at fault in the story. And this may be, again, part of the issue because they did not realize that it was being shared in a, let's call it out, judgmental light. There was a person who was bringing a lot of themes of a very Catholic way of looking at the world into client sessions that she was doing with children in a predominantly Jewish area. And it made the news. It made the news because there were complaints, you know, not something that we would technically say would be like a major ethics breakdown or could have been much worse. You know, again, my opinion is at the end of the day, we all agree. We all come around to different ways of arriving at the same themes. And as I tell, oh yeah, I heard the story of this person who this was happened. Oh yeah, that was me with a smile on the face. I will say this uh, makes you kind of ask and question the calibration skills of being able to read the room uh, and model what's important. The opposite of all of this is the client who I worked with that she was a chaplain for the Navy. And part of that role, I had a friend who was a chaplain for a once famous traveling circus who told the story of having to do a funeral ceremony for four different faiths plus non-denominational, when one of the favorite elephants passed away with age. An elephant that wasn't even ever in the shows, but was the mother of a few of the ele elephants and traveled. And to hear her, my friend in the circus, there's the transition you expected to hear today, uh, telling the story of how this greater appreciation of how that community came together towards something that was important to all of them. And here's my client, the female chaplain for the Navy, and in the midst of a session, suddenly brought us into what became perceived to be a past life regression. Into the session, she kind of sits there for a moment and says, that was interesting. Then she asked the question, 
did I bring you there or did you bring me there? And I respond the same way I would teach it. You know, here's the model of hypnotic regression that we will sometimes make use of, and the rule is never lead the witness. Only asking open-ended questions. What's going on? What's happening now? What's that feeling inside of you? What do you think is going to happen? What happens now? And from that, she goes, isn't that interesting? Well, that changes a few opinions now, doesn't it? Thanks me, leaves an amazing review. And uh, <laughs> as she put it, she goes, it did not change my belief systems. It did not make me dismiss anything. Instead, it made me realize that there's a few other thoughts out there and opinions that I may be a little bit more open to now. So the purpose of this week's episode is one where, you know, I'm not about to sit here and say, here's the opinion you ought to have. Here's the way of the world you should hold on to. And I'll share it has been inspired because there is an interesting movement in the entrepreneurial world, that of the what's deemed as the kingdom entrepreneur, that the fastest pathway, and do not hear any of this paraphrase as any negative whatsoever, this fastest pathway into heaven is to become the most successful entrepreneur you can because entrepreneurial skills are the fastest way to improve people's lives and expand your business in a way you can bring on a team of people and become that job creator and improve the world in a really direct way. And some could hear this and from a almost cynical perspective go, well, that's really just looking for a rationalization. Oh, that might just be looking for a reframe as to why it's okay to earn money from a community that may at one point said, oh, money's the root of all evil, it's greed, and perhaps or perhaps not. Yet it's inspired because there's a way that some people approach that conversation now in that world that put up a wall, that make others don't feel welcome, versus the ones who can, well, let's go with the classic Ericksonian listing pattern. For some of you, it means this. For some of you, it means that. And even if this isn't necessarily your belief system, perhaps these words take on different meanings to you. So on this theme of spiritual hypnosis for non-spiritual hypnotists, what I say is it's kind of the same conversation to massively oversimplify this perhaps, to talk through the angle of whatever that means to you. And it's where I will actually use in my sessions very ambiguous language to open it up for those who it may be of importance to them and to open it up and to change the perceptions as to what's important inside. So to share some of the language of this, it would often be connecting with whatever it is that you consider to be a higher power. For some people, it may be faith or religion. For others, it may be family. For some, it may be this belief system that People are at their core operating to their highest good. Whatever that means to you, connect with that force stronger than even the individual and process continues. And it allows that opening for, for that person who that does need to be part of their perception, for that person who that does need to be part of their change journey to go where they need to go and process what they need to process. And for the person who's Belief systems may be none of the above. I had someone a while ago who, you know, shared in that moment, he goes, I never really thought about how this applied to my family. 
And I had been keeping this problem more specific to myself. And I realized that, you know, all this procrastination that he was dealing with, all this fear of failure stuff he had been dealing with, uh, and really even fear of success at times, came around instead to this understanding that the change was going to affect something bigger than himself. And for one person, that may now connect to faith and religion and something very different. And for him, it connected to that belief system inside of himself that he needed to expand these goals and let it become something that was important for everyone around him. And by doing so, suddenly the productivity came even faster. So I share these themes today because I've seen people often become dismissive when suddenly it's not their model. It's not their perception of the world. And yet to look at along the way, there's this ability, and let me come back to the one word that I used earlier, that of being the chameleon, that of being flexible, that place where it's open for those who wish to go that direction, yet we're not overtly shoving them square peg into a round hole. So my whole goal of this was to kind of open up some of those thoughts, perhaps even open up a dialogue for those of you that are members of our free Work Smart Hypnosis community. You'll find links to that online or just do a search inside of Facebook. And it's that ability to meet our clients where they are and help them to get where they wish to go. Jason Lennett here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for sharing it in your ongoing conversations in our world, in our shared hypnotic communities. And again, head over to WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. This is where you can get access to hypnotic workers as well as a live and online interactive training where classically, again, half the people are brand new to hypnosis and it's the very first thing that they're doing. Meanwhile, the other half are folks who may have significant training, yet you're noticing there's some clear gaps in terms of your skills. It's from that evidence-based approach as well as that phenomenon-based approach that we tend to have so many people now launching their careers and really getting out there and helping a ton of people. Check that out, WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. 